Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome to Ayers on the Road, in the air and on the road. We are having a really great time. I'm sorry for those of you who may be in areas where it's snowing and freezing because we are in Cancun, which is lovely. It's about 85 today. Well, we're looking out at a jungle, an absolute jungle. We can't, we can barely see the sky through it. It's thick. There's monkeys in there, honey. And yeah, there is. And we're staying in a place called Jungle 2. Jungle too. Yeah. Jungle too. But we're here to do some work and to try to figure some things out and finish some writing, but it's pretty pleasant, I have to say. And it's, it, we, we spent the day yesterday up in um, the area of Koba. For those of you who know archaeological ruins, it's a vast, vast, unexcavated, 99% enormous city from the, from the Mayan uh indians and it's it's just um it's it's just endlessly fascinating to us um but what's also fascinating is just getting away from this resort and getting out into the actual mexico yeah we we can't do a resort much longer than three or four days but uh it really is amazing because we started in tulum which is uh amazing they this place was started, they think, about the year 1200, about about 850 years ago. Um, but then they finally left. Uh, the civilization crumbled. They left, and that place was buried for 300 years. And now they've restored it. They brought, well, it's not completely restored, but you can see how it was what a culture i mean it was very very interesting a lot of religious symbols and a lot of things that are so fascinating and i just uh, i love that stuff i just think it is so fun there are these huge iguanas running around on the lawns everywhere they're totally harmless but they're huge they're 18 inches long maybe 20 mm, maybe more um but they're really really big and it is amazing we just chomp on grass and kind of look at you like who are you yeah. <laughs> here here you are again but um it was really fascinating to me to think about this culture the funny thing about we had been to Koba before but there is this place where they play a game where there's a little round circle about uh, 12 inches round or 14 that's the goal and the, that's the goal and they practice all year. These, the ball game, they these called it. Great natives who are so athletic and so on to get that ball through the <laughs> hole. But the interesting part is that the prize, if you win, is that you get killed. Now, how weird is that? I mean, it's just such an honor to die in that in that crazy culture. But um, I just don't know. We were talking last night. Do you think that they thought the night before, well, maybe I'll just try to lose. I'd, I'd like to live a little longer. But um, anyway, interesting. But getting out into the countryside, you know, we, I remember way back in the day, Linda, when we were having little children and one of the goals that we actually set down in writing and that we've thought a lot of 
over the years about is can we raise our children to be citizens of the world? And that's kind of an, you know, a phrase that can have many meanings. But I think to us, the goal was can we raise children who understand, who are aware of the various parts of the world, of the third world, as well as the first world, and who are sensitive to how blessed they are. And really, it was a gratitude exercise, but also an empathy exercise, right? Can we can we help our children to grow up feeling like they're part of something bigger than this little microcosm society where they live, which is the most privileged society on earth, in a way? And can can they not become used to that or take that for granted? Can they be part of a bigger world? And one of the ways we tried to do that was to travel with them a lot. And we know a lot of you listeners traveled a lot with your children. And we know also know a lot of you haven't, but you have tried in your own ways through books and through uh, other kinds of learning to make children aware of the vast variety, sometimes painful variety, of human circumstance on, on this earth. And what? one of the things, I was just going to say, one of the things we found is that going on vacation doesn't do it. I mean, being a tourist, you you can be a tourist and visit some of the most poverty-stricken parts of the world and still stay in luxury. You can you can be you can have a piece of glass between you and the real world all the time you can you can sightsee and treat other cultures as though they were another place in disneyland and you want to look at them and sort of overview them and so on but the question was always in our mind how do we help our kids to actually experience some of these things and I guess there were two things I would say that we that we tried to do, and I think with some success, at least, at least I think our children far surpass us in terms of their empathy and, and connectedness to diverse parts of the world. But one of the things we tried was to, you know, because we had the opportunity as writers to sometimes go on extended times and live in other places, to actually live in another culture, not to be a tourist, but to live there for a month or two at least and experience it. We did that a couple of times in different parts of Mexico where we are now. We did that in Japan one summer. We we did that in Romania. Bulgaria. One summer. Uh, yeah, it really was. Where you live there and the kids have kids go to school there and they make friends there and they, they sort of rub shoulders in actual real time with what that world is like. Well, I just, um, I think not many people out there have the opportunity to do that. And sorry if you're rolling your eyes like, whoa, nice for you, but I could never do that. But it is, there's so many ways to expose your children to the world. In fact, I had a teacher in high school who's my idol. His name was Lewis Monk. And, uh, he did not travel extensively, but he knew oh, about he the traveled world. in his mind. And I went to visit him when he was 90. And he I said, Oh, Mr. Monk, I'm so sorry that you're not able to travel anymore at all. 
And he said, oh, come into my back room. I travel the world every day. And he went to his computer and showed me all the places that he'd been that week. And I mean, it's not quite the same as actually being there, but at least they're aware of it. But I think making children aware of the world and what's going on, even not the sadness that's going on right now in detail, but we do. We have been to the Middle East. All of our children have experienced the Middle East, which is so interesting. They went to BYU, study abroad in Jerusalem, and it is just remarkable um, how that opened their eyes to what was going on. But I read something yesterday uh, from a friend who had posted something about uh, Ralph Wal- Waldo Emerson's poem because it was Christmas time and so on. And uh, it is so beautiful. You mean you mean Longfellow's? Poem. I mean, I mean Longfellow. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. The the beautiful, incredible song that he wrote as a result of some tragedy. Well, tragedy. His wife of eighteen years died suddenly, who he adored. And then one of his sons went to fight, and her Civil dress War. caught on fire, and she yeah, burned. Yeah, it. It, it was horrible. And um, then his son went to the Civil War, and I think he survived, but he was so sad. And then he heard some bells on Christmas Day and realized that life was not all horrible. It lifted him out of his funk and made him realize that there was a higher power that was taking care of him. That actually ties into what we want to talk about in the second half of the show today. Well, and I think it also really ties into what's happening into our world right now. There is so much, uh, so many sad things in the Middle East. It's tragic when you see these things on TV that have happened and that are continuing to happen and hostages and people just being cruelly killed. One and of the I, tragic things is it's causing us to forget a little about uh, in our in the public mind about what's happening in Ukraine, and we we want to remember right. and keep track of both of those. But it is it does lift your soul when you think there is a higher life somewhere, and we can live a higher life. We can do all we ha- can to help people. Um, our daughter was very just immersed in helping some people from Ukraine and still is uh, get resettled in the U.S. And the more we can do, the better off we are. Well, and also back to what I was starting to say that there we've we've tried in two ways to put our children in positions while they were little that allowed them to sort of have a citizen of the world perspective to some degree. And I'm sure, you know, We've failed in a lot of ways. But the other one, besides actually living in a place where they can go to school and become part of the culture, and this one is a little more approachable for more people, surprisingly so, actually, and that is to go on these humanitarian expeditions. There are many good groups. Our two favorites are our choice humanitarian and um, 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 Rising rising star outreach. Uh, which focuses on India and um, choice humanitarian is in many parts of the world, but their their whole their whole modus operandi is taking families on expeditions where they build a school or they build a clinic or they provide health care for a, a week or two, oftentimes over Christmas, 
sometimes in the summer. And what we discovered, we got addicted to these for a while. We mentioned it before on the show, but we 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 did several of them. And um, we actually found that they were less expensive than going to a resort for a week or going to Disneyland for a week because the, the living costs are zero once you get there to these. You're living in a tent or you're sleeping on the schoolroom floor. School floor. And so really all you're paying is the transportation to get there and a percentage of the materials that are going into building the school or whatever the project is that's there. And I just think that had an immeasurable effect on the empathy and the gratitude and sort of the perspective of our children as young as seven or eight years old. Well, and some of you are listening know that our church has taken this on because there is an opportunity. Not many families can take their families to do this, but the church has a program called uh, Humanitarian EFY, HFSY, and it is really incredible they take these kids to we've had a grandson that's gone to ghana another one to dominican republic it is amazing they take them all over the world and they go just straight to a village do a work project and uh interact with the kids and help all that they can for a week and boy does that open their eyes it's pretty amazing so Linda, if you were to, if I was to ask you, what is the determining factor that that causes some families? We're not holding ours up as any great example. We could have done much better in many ways. But what? Why do some families seem to raise kids who have a really broad view of the world and who really are aware of what's going on in different parts of the world, and, and others are really locked up in their own little culture and, and almost sort of you get the feeling the kids think that's just the way it is everywhere is the determining factor that that the ones who can do it are wealthy and they can afford it or or is it something much deeper than that is it kind of a a mindset and a determination because like you i'm glad you brought up mr monk monk and others you know who haven't traveled, you know, and Thoreau himself, Henry David Thoreau said, a man who travels is a fool because the whole world exists in his own backyard. Well, if that was true for Thoreau, imagine how true it is today where we have at our fingertips the whole world. If the parents want to take the time and make the effort and make the commitment to say, we are going to raise children who are part of the solution, at least by being aware of the of the world in a broader sense right yeah i know and it's so hard when uh when you're a parent who's been raised in a really hard situation uh, we're doing a sub for santa for a family that what their 13 year old son all they want for christmas is um playstation cards uh, gift cards <laughs> gift cards so that they can play and and the mom just wants books about conspiracy theories and i think oh gosh that's so sad yeah, yeah because they just not have had not have had the training or the understanding of what they can do if they can broaden their children their minds to the world it is really valuable well you brought up earlier honey the the incredible uh, longfellow poem uh, that became a beloved christmas hymn which is really springing up from death and Stay with us for a brief break here because we want to 
we want to delve into something kind of personal in the second half and and be bold enough to talk about the fact that maybe we should all make death a more open subject within our families. So we'll be right back. Hang on. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. And before we launch into talking about a very serious subject, which we mentioned in the first half, um, which is very serious, death, let me just say that we have been, we did have a chance to uh, go to a Cirque du Soleil show where we are. And we love those. They are so creative. But they have this podcast that we listened to before we went. And this guy was so amazing. He said, you know, every day can be a birthday for you. If you can go out and find something beautiful that you haven't noticed before, that you can see because you're grasping that day. And I just think that is what we're about because our days are numbered. And wow, we've got a rude awakening to that recently. Yeah, we sure have. Um, so let us be a little personal with you. And I'm, I'm going to read from a, the start of an article that we're just sending off to a periodical today. You're going to get a little sneak preview of it. Um, November was a tough month for us. There was the death of a 50-year advisor and mentor, beloved mentor. Then a lifetime friend and doubles partner passed, younger, younger than we. Then a niece whose congenital heart defect was thought to be stable died suddenly. In one day. Just in one day. Amazing. Just she they had her on a heart assist for five hours. And the first thing we heard was the dad saying, please pray for Cora because She's been on this for five hours and they're doing one final surgery to see if they can save her. And they could not save her. And it's, it's clustered. This all happened in just a week. And and the, the, the biggest blow of all in many ways that week was hearing that my, my dear brother, my close friend and brother was diagnosed with terminal stage four cancer. So all of a sudden, just four things in, in one week. It was a tough week. It was a tough, tough time. It was hard to even grasp. We we kept looking at each other and saying, is this really happening? Is this, is this, is this reality? Is it, are we in some kind of a time right. warp or something? Because we just think, well, what could happen next? And then next happened. And then yeah. next happened. Yeah. And I know you've all had weeks like that when there's just some really tragic things that are in your life. In fact, I, I thought on the third one, I thought, wow, you know, things happen in threes. At least we're done now. And we weren't. Then there was the fourth one. And so, but here's the question. And again, we're not, we're not trying to be overly somber here in fact in a way we're we're trying to move the other direction here's the question is death a subject we deal with only when we have to or is it a reality that we should become comfortable talking about within our families and something we should be talking with about our with our children and our and our grandchildren 
you'll want to elaborate on this, honey, but I'm just reading from this article we're about to send off. One of our sons who did his graduate work in positive psychology at UPenn feels that there are more important benefits that come from making death an open subject in our families. And the doing so not only prepares us and those we love for the inevitable, but adds to our appreciation, our awareness, and our unity. Now, that's something to think about. And and quite honestly, Talmadge, our, our son Tal, um, was, was talking to, to us about that at a reunion a couple of years ago in the summer. He was in charge, he and his wife, Anita, and, and their theme was about thinking again and getting rid of taboos and bringing up things and becoming comfortable thinking in all sort of different dimensions. And one of the core parts of it was there are a lot of benefits in thinking and talking about death. It's a subject we we try to avoid, and yet there's so much learning that can come from it. And actually, in some ways, so much perspective and so much joy and there's very few benefits of just making it a hush-hush subject and, and wanting to avoid this, the, the talking of it at all costs. You know, when I was 13 years old, I had a half-sister. My dad had been married before, and his wife died of cancer. And um, she was pregnant with her third child and was very sick the whole time. And they finally did some surgery to see if they could help her and realize that she was just full of cancer. So they just closed her up and said, we hope the baby is going to survive. So she had the baby and was never really able to hold him. She was living at our house during this time um, with her husband coming and going. And my mom and dad were taking care of her. But no one talked about actually that she was going to die. We always just thought, if yeah. we pray hard yeah. enough, she's going to be okay. She's we be avoid okay. that thought. We so we're push not going to talk we're about not it. not going to think about it. And that was really damaging to me for a lot of years. I mean, until I was an adult. So I realized we should have been talking about that all the time. We should have prepared her. She should have been realizing that she was going to be gone. I mean, she did, I'm sure. But we nobody talked about it. And I just think it's so important to embrace it and talk about it, which is what you have this poem. Well, this article that we've been reading a little from is going out in, in, in a national grandparenting magazine because grandparents are in a particularly interesting and I think advantageous position to sort of connect ancestors and, and the roots of our family with the branches of the children and the grandchildren right. and so on. And they, they maybe the most natural sort of element for a grandparent to find interesting opportunities to talk about death and you know in a way that is instructive that often would involve faith that often would involve perspective um and i think what we're trying to do in this article we ended up putting some of the thoughts in poetic form because we just felt like they'd resonate a little more that way and so let us let us read you this um, this brief poem, one stanza at a time, and then comment a little on. And and by the way, if right now you're like, I'm going to turn this off, the last thing I want to hear about is death. 
you may be falling into the same trap that I think we've all fallen into where that's the subject we avoid. That's, uh, let's not let's not bring that up because actually, as our son tried to teach us a couple of years ago, and as we've actually found during this really tough period that we've just been through with your brother, there, yeah. there is a lot of, well, with him and with, well, with others too, yeah. and the idea that yes, there's tremendous amounts of pain, but there are some joy elements that filter through and, and, and that can happen at any time that we really try to bring this up. So let's read you this one stanza at a time and maybe comment a little afterwards. We don't like thoughts of death in general, of friends, and particularly not of our own. But we should embrace what we banish. Here's 20 reasons why. How could you think of 20 reasons? This is really pretty amazing, honey. Okay. I think they, you know. I didn't think of them. They were just the things that we've been talking about. I tried to capture them. All right. So here we go. One, it is the single universal experience. Think about that. There is nothing else that happens to to all of us, but but death does. So why in the world should it be a taboo subject? I mean, it's the most inclusive of all subjects, Right. right? Two, it can come to any of us at any time. We all know that, but Absolutely. why not why not admit it and why not because that leads us to think in ways that are actually pretty powerful and pretty joy attracting in in our in our lives while while we do live. Right. Three, its awareness sharpens our awareness. In other words, wow, if we're aware ever... of death and aware that it comes to all and aware that it could happen at any time, we become more aware of what? So we go out every day and have a birthday. Yeah, <laughs> like you were saying earlier. What are the gifts of today? About. There's always gifts every day if we're looking for them. And they're there in front of us. This, this other poem we were reading the other day said, it may come to you in the form of a, of a uh, dragonfly. Or it may come to you in the form of a leaf that you look closely at. I mean, there's gifts everywhere. And something about being aware of death makes life more powerful and more present Poignant, yeah. in, in our lives. Okay, so that was number three. Four, I love this one, by the way. Four, it counters the sin of taking for granted. Yeah. Boy, I love that thought. You know, I I really have come to believe that it is a sin to take things for granted. And we all commit it every day. We We take for granted the food we eat. We take for granted the house we live in. We take for granted the 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 sky, the clouds. We take they're just there all the time. We take them for granted, but they won't be there forever. That's the point of this of this poem of that's the point of a finite world that which we think is the reason we're in mortality we came from a place without time without deadlines without decay without you know and here we are on this world where we are going to die we will get sick we will have difficulties and all of that fits into this grand scheme of god 
to help us to actually see and appreciate all the stuff that's around us. So again, we've written, we're reading this poem on 20 reasons why it's a good thing to think about and talk about, perhaps with our family, particularly with our family, the subject of death, the birth that we call death, by the way. <laughs> right. So here's number five. It's last time paradigm enhances gratitude. It's in quotes, last time. It's the paradigm of last time. So yeah, this when, is the last time. May, this may be the last this may be time. Maybe the last time. I mean, yeah. that's it could be morbid if you did it the wrong way. This may be the last time I see you. I better really see you. This may be the last time I go to New York City. I ought to really pay attention. Um because the opposite of that is, oh, I've been here before. I'll be here, I'll be here again. Big deal. I'm just floating through life. Um, oh, that's a nice flower. I've seen a million of those before. I'll see a million more. And that dulls, that dulls gratitude. But if we say, well, it could be, I hope it isn't, but it could be the last time, you know. Okay, so you get the idea. Number six, it separates what is minutia from what really matters. That probably goes without explanation. Seven, it deepens conversation and relationships. Wow, it surely does. We've had We've some of the most that. fabulous conversations with this month with Chris, your brother, um, because he has really embraced death and he's yeah. just ready to go. So We've talked openly about it. It's been a wonderful experience. We're going to finish this list now and just pause for a minute after each one for you to reflect that this is the list of reasons it makes sense to think about and talk more about death. Seven, it deepens conversation and relationships. So we've just read that. Eight, it reminds us that all this beauty is fragile, finite, and fleeting. Nine, it delineates the now time here from the non-time there. Ooh, that's wild to think about, isn't it? Ten, it catalyzes love, expanding, extending, elongating. Eleven, it stimulates ponderings of God and heaven. Twelve, it connects us to those who are there and perhaps often here. Mm -hmm. 13, it opens up wider, longer, deeper awareness and perspective. 14, it epitomizes celestial thought. 15, it spurs a seeking of coordination and purpose. 16, it prompts genuine reevaluation and repentance. 17, it retains in our remembrance God's greatness and our nothingness. So true. 18, it makes us consistently more mindful and more grateful for Christ. 19, it reminds us whence we came and whither we are going. And 20, it helps us see our spiritual siblings that everyone is a spiritual sibling. And these are just, these are things that we have to be aware of. And the final stanza of the poem 
all good things are made better by anticipation. And death in God's time is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful, honey. And we just have had an amazing experience uh, the last uh, couple of weeks ago with your brother and his wife just talking, doing some amazing uh, projections and just really enjoying the process. So thanks for being with us. And again, don't consider that a down subject. This is an uplifting subject. And we promise you that thinking about mortality and about death and talking about it openly in our families really doesn't have any downsides. And it has a lot of upsides. So glad you could join us. And And go uh, out there today and have a birthday. Find something you have not ever noticed before. It really makes every day fun. And we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.